KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. Guys, you know, this time of year, I shudder. I, I shiver at the thought of making my 15 to 20 minute walk from my house to the train station each morning. But then I get a dose of reality when I walk from 30th Street to the office here at 2400 Market. Just seeing some of the homeless people that are out on the streets, bundled up, just trying to get by and survive, literally survive during what's weather-wise one of the harshest times of the year. And certainly you'd have to think one of the most difficult times to be without a home. It's really hard to think about or imagine if you do have a home, which probably most of us do, right? It's just naturally where you go to at the end of every day. It's a source of comfort. To think about being without that is just like, that's so much must be missing, so much stability, security in your life. And I see some of the same things, even when I'm either coming back from work or going different places where people are sleeping on street corners. And it's tough to watch because home, as Sabrina mentioned there, it's the center of kind of everything. You got to have some sort of stability in your life. And having a stable place to sleep at night is something that I think we all kind of take at times, we might take it for granted, and then we see people who are legitimately struggling. You know, guys, there's been a lot of stuff that's gotten me thinking about the significance and importance of home lately. Like, for instance, something as frivolous as a guy being traded to a new city, James Harden. He's coming to Philadelphia. He needs a new home. You could be an empty nester looking to cash in, possibly selling a home. Or on the other end, you could have been kicked out of your home, possibly illegally, as we're about to hear about. Unfortunately, eviction is something that I know of firsthand because I dealt with it three years ago. I'll have a little story to tell about that one coming up later on as well. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina boyd Circa. I'm Brian Seltzer. And this is the JohnCast for your Wednesday. We're going to chat with KYW News Radio's Community Impact reporter Raquel Williams. She joins us once again to talk about just an absolutely wild story she covered and play you some audio that is just truly hard to believe. But first, the James Harden era got off to a rather... Uh, an auspicious start last night, we should say. Well, no, he didn't play. He managed to come out wearing one of the weirdest outfits you've ever seen to ring the bell. And then the Sixers got their bell rung by the Boston Celtics at the Wells Fargo Center. KYW News Radio's Dave Uram joins us. Dave, that game was ugly, but it was a part of a much bigger story that occurred yesterday. And Jay, that big story, of course, is James Harden's now a 76er. He was formally introduced Tuesday at the Sixers practice facility in Camden. He sounds very, very, very excited to be in Philadelphia. After the break, man, it's just it's go time. You know, so as, as much as, you know, I can incorporate and, and figure things out fast, which, you know, I probably it won't you know, be long, um, the better things will be. But, I mean, it, it shouldn't take long at all. Like, I'm pretty, I pretty much can fit anywhere. After the break, what he means by it's go time, it's because right now he's out due to his hamstring recovery. Um, He rang the bell, as you mentioned last night. That is, if you haven't been to a Sixers game, that's their pregame ceremony that they have. They have this replica Liberty Bell and they have big guests come out and try to ring that bell three times before the game. It gets the crowd pumped up, especially when they have big names that go and ring the bell. Um, Jay, I'm not going to lie. I think this can work. I really think I mean, I think there are question marks, obvious question marks. But I think ultimately, Jay, I think it can work. Dave and Brian and Jay, you might be able to answer this, too. I'm going to ask a bit of a basic question, but I can't be the only person in the John Cast family who doesn't follow sports very closely. Why is this such a big deal? Is it just because everybody hated Ben Simmons? Is James Harden a really good player? Is it because he wanted to be in Philadelphia so much? All of the above? 
I think this is a huge deal because of all of those reasons. But if you're going to rank them, Sabrina, I think this is a huge deal, number one, because it ends the Ben Simmons saga and era in Philadelphia. And I think it's also a big deal because James Harden is the best player that Joel Embiid is uh, when he eventually plays is going to play with. James Harden is a superstar that can mean really good things for the Sixers. Dave, you mentioned Simmons, and I heard one of your live reports on air yesterday, and you were <laughs> describing this crazy scene how while the Sixers and the media were waiting to introduce James Harden, piped through the PA system at the Sixers headquarters was Ben Simmons' introductory press conference in Brooklyn. What stood out from Ben's presser that I know you went back and listened to? Is this part of the saga finally over? Is this part of the saga over? Yes, this part of the saga is over because Ben Simmons is no longer a 76er and he's a Brooklyn net now. Um, as far as if anybody questions his mental health, he took the high road. He said, you know, I can't judge them because I don't know what they're thinking. But he also said that, you know, in terms of him smiling the other night in his first night on the Brooklyn Nets bench, watching them play and seeing him smile and seeing him happy, he said that they should be happy that I'm happy. I've had some dark times over these last six months, um, and I'm just happy to be in this situation with this team um, and organization. So people are going to say what they want. They've said it the last six months, and I haven't come to – and it is what it is. So people are always going to have their own opinions. I'm happy for Ben Simmons that he's in a happy place. I'm happy for James Harden that he's in a place that he wants to be in. And I'm looking forward to seeing that March 10th matchup, Sixers-Nets at Wells Fargo Center. Dave Uram, thank you so much for coming on the John Cast with us today. Thanks, Jay. Always appreciate it. Happy to be on the first time that I'm on the, the relaunched version of the John Cast. So happy to be on. And to James Harden, we say, good luck finding a house in your new home. It is brutal out there. And while I think you can definitely say the housing market all over the place is tilting heavily in one direction, even sellers are running into problems. And as we continue to talk about the theme of home on this episode of the John Cast, we thought it'd be good to chat with KYW News Radio's John McDevitt, who's been looking into some trends in the real estate market. What's up, John? How are you? Hello, Brian. I'm well. How are you? I'm doing fine, except for the fact there's zero inventory out there in the real estate market. <laughs> you know, you would think that sellers have all the leverage in the world. They mostly do. But even sellers, they're not immune to the crush of this market. It's definitely a seller's market, right? I mean, uh, in some areas, homes listed under 650000 are getting 20000 35000 even 50000 above asking. In some cases, homes listed over half a million are getting 100000 if not more, above asking. That's what experts are telling me. But those sellers, either downsizing or looking for something bigger, become buyers. And uh, one realtor tells me that many sellers are frightened. One of the most common objections they have about moving on and selling their property and be able to get a high amount is their fear that they'll have nowhere to go after their house is sold. That's a realtor, a Patricia Weiss-Straley with Keller Williams Real Estate in Newtown. She says, you know, many strategies that sellers are using to, to find a home there there's something one thing is called post settlement possession it's an addendum to an agreement of sale of a home allowing the seller to stay in that home weeks or months up to a year after settlement I, and uh Weiss really says that you know she works with 900 realtors from across the country every week and says that uh this 
post-settlement possession is a trend. Now, John, how does it benefit a buyer in a situation like this? Right. So the, the buyer uh, secures a home and, and, and possibly gets a great interest rate. And the seller is cashing in. They get extra time to potentially find a home that they desire rather than being forced into buying something because they have to, because because they have nowhere to go. And another interesting thing um, is realtors, in many cases, are getting two deals out of this. They're, they're selling the house, and then they go on to find a place for that seller who is now a potential buyer and has more time to find a client, a property that they like. So, so they're in many cases getting two deals uh, out of this. So, John, I have been kind of holding out for this bubble to burst. Is there any end in sight? Do we think there's going to be a tipping point? What are realtors forecasting right now? Well, good luck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm hearing no. Uh, there is no end in sight. Homes are selling at a record high. There are bidding wars going on. 25, 35, 45, 50 and above asking is crazy. And they're going fast. They're really going fast, which is, which is crazy to me. And, and I wonder how high until most people can't afford them anymore. And, and what about the value, a resale value, when... And if things stabilize, but the craziness uh, continues for now. It sounds like it is a jungle out there for home buyers, is what we are pretty much experiencing here. KYW's John McDevitt, thank you so much for joining us and giving us a little bit more insight into this mess that is the housing market right now. John, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome, guys. Thank you. Now, we talked about transplants, we've talked about buyers and sellers, but what if you're like me and you're a renter? And what if you get that knock on your door one day and someone you don't know, you've never met, is telling you to get out of your home? Now, it's strange, but true. KYW News Radio's Community Impact reporter Raquel Williams joins us to share an incredible story coming up next here on the Johncast. I'm Jay. I'm Sabrina. I'm Brian. And this is the John Cast, and we've been talking about housing and homes throughout this entire episode today. And I mentioned at the top that I know what it's like to deal with eviction because I was someone who's been evicted before. It was a brutal day, one of the worst experiences of my life. It's hard to put into words that we can use on this podcast to describe what occurred on March 11th, 2019 for me. Well, it strikes me right off the bat that you remember that date. So initially right there, that tells me that this was a pretty scarring and I would assume traumatic situation. It's like you got to feel powerless. I oh, think. The, the whole day was brutal because you have to put it. I put it in perspective. They tried to use a technicality of a fee that I was not told that I owed to evict me. This all occurs so fast. By the time I could even figure out what to do, because I had to get dressed, I had to find out what's going on. They changed the locks on my doors in a panic. I grabbed my wallet, my car keys no clothes, nothing. I go to the office to try to find out what, what the hell's going on here. And by the time I get back, I'm completely locked out. It was bad. And it eventually led to me going to court. And it, pretty much within 45 minutes, I was back in that apartment getting anything I needed and eventually got everything out of there. Didn't have to pay anything at, at the end of this whole deal. It was a mess. And eviction is a demoralizing, dehumanizing thing. And people can be very mean and very nasty towards you. And they treat you and look at you a certain way when you've been evicted. It's not fun. I feel for anybody who's had to deal with eviction. 
On that note, for the second consecutive day, we welcome in Raquel Williams, KYW News Radio's community impact reporter. Long time hey. no long time no see. We wanted to bring you back in here because there's a story you've been covering that is almost hard to believe, especially when you really get the details of it. So we want to set the scene here. For those of you listening, we want to give you a heads up. The exchange we're about to play for you, it's got some rather uh, harsh language. It is going to be bleeped out, however. This is where I'm moving to. This is where I'm coming to live. Have you talked to the what lawyer? Have you talked to a lawyer? Have you talked to a lawyer? We just spent our money to buy this house. Have you talked to a lawyer? I, don't, I am a lawyer. Okay, well, you need to get your license revoked. I am a lawyer. These people can't help you. These people can't help you. Well, okay. These can't do nothing for you, but record. That's why we have a lawyer. What is the lawyer going to do? What is the lawyer going to do? You'll be surprised. Jesus don't have no money and cannot stand No, I got money. No, you don't. Yes, you I do. You're broke. You're broke. Well, okay then. And that was one of the tamer clips that we just heard there. So, Raquel, just going to ask you an obvious yeah. question. What was that? Uh, that was a nightmare for resident of that home there on South 55th Street. Her name is Asantua Nkrumah Ture, and she has been renting that space for a number of years. She received a notice saying that there's a new owner of this um, building and you have 30 days to vacate. Okay, fine. She told me that she started looking for a place. She started contacting some friends the next day. The new owner showed up with some boxes and started to move his things in. And that's when that exchange began. This is my, this is the old landlord coming up in there now. <laughs> See the heavy set guy in the gray? That's the old owner. <laughs> you don't own the property anymore. So she was given a 30 day notice. This thing is it's also what's known as a move in eviction, from what I understand. Can you kind of help us guide us through what is a move in eviction? And let's say someone finds themselves in a situation similar to this. What do you do? Yeah, that my head tilted all the way to the right when she said the words move in eviction. I was like, what's that? And, you know, I immediately got in touch with a lawyer from Community Legal Services of Philadelphia. And actually, he's representing Mr. Ray. And, you know, I talked to Vic Patel and I asked him that very question. That sort of falls under uh, a much larger umbrella of essentially trying to make a place unlivable so that someone else will leave without taking them through the illegal eviction process. He said it just goes along with other tactics that some landlords will use, like removing a door. Removing the windows, turning off the heat, the light, the electricity. I mean, it's their own space. They can do what they want with it. It's just going to make the tenant that's there uncomfortable. And the tactics are designed to make them so uncomfortable that they vacate. Well, uh, Asantua and Primitore happens to be a member of the Philadelphia Tenants Union. So she knows all her rights. She has access to all the proper channels to fight this. And that's exactly what she has been doing since uh, this started. You asked me, Jay, you know, what do you do if you are in this situation? If you find yourself in this situation, and according to Vic Patel, first thing you need to do is make sure you have your lease in your hand, something that proves that you have a right to be there. And the second thing he asked to do is if you feel safe, 
call the police. I thought it was interesting that he said, if you feel safe to call the police, not if you feel unsafe, but if you feel the situation is calm enough to bring the police into it, because sometimes that can escalate things, you know, you go ahead and call the police and you can't really handle that on the side, you know, in front of the house. That's something that has to be done in court. So you have to unfortunately deal with it while you're handling uh, the legal side of things in the background. There was, unfortunately, a lot of footage, Raquel, that was much worse than what we heard, where it got into hate speech and other presumptive comments about the residents who were living there. And I'm just listening. I'm shocked that A, this takes place, and B, I'm amazed of the calm that the residents who were in the house were projecting during this really, really intense situation. And how is Ms. Ture handling all this? She sounded very calm, but did you get any additional sense of just how uncomfortable this arrangement is for her? If that's your first meeting with someone, like, where do you go from there? <laughs> yeah, she was calm, but extremely angry. Trying to limit my access to the house. If I have guests over, they can only be in my bedroom. If I want to do things, I can't have access to the rest of the house. She knows how to handle herself. She's uh, somewhat of a community activist in the area. You know, what her complaint was, and this gets very, very convoluted, her situation, because now there there was talk about a lease that is legal and an illegal lease, someone who didn't have a license to do something, someone who didn't. There's a lot going on behind the scenes with regards to her story. One of the things is that her lease says that she has access to the whole apartment, her whole space. She claims that the new owner came in with a lease that says something else, and she just said that that's a fraudulent lease. And so that's why there's so much legal wrangling with regards to this. But she told me that he was trying to keep her just to one room of the house. So if she had company, it had to be in that room and she didn't have access to anything else. So this is just another way of her being extremely uncomfortable in that space while someone else is occupying it out of the blue. Now, I've never experienced a move-in eviction. This is the first I've heard of this sort of thing. But I know friends in not just this city, but others who've experienced one thing or another, a landlord cutting off your heat or removing a door, doing something to impede things. I've been on the business end of an illegal eviction. I had a landlord attempt to extort me for money just to get to stay in a place. What penalties are out there for a landlord who's found guilty of an illegal eviction activity such as this or anything else? You can take someone to court for trying to unlawfully evict you. And uh, Apparently, you can sue them in court for $2,000 per illegal eviction activity. So they take off a door. That's one. They come in and shut off the lights. That's another. Move in some boxes. That's another. So it's to the new owners or the owner of whatever situation, whatever building, it's to their disadvantage to do that because those uh, different uh, fees can pile up in court, of course. So $2,000 per illegal eviction action. I'll be honest with you. $2,000 per offense to me doesn't sound like a lot. Cause like you said, Raquel, if you break a window or a door for me, all it would take is one offense and I'd be gone. Your message would have exactly. been sent and I'm out. And if you're a yep. deep pocketed landlord who has multiple residents living in a place like that could be one month's rent for someone. So yeah. to me, it doesn't seem like that's enough of an inhibition to get this to stop, potentially, depending on the scenario you're walking into. Right. And especially if you think the other person thinks they're in the right. They're not really going to pay attention to all those threats of court, court, court. 
you know, they have their lawyer and they think for some reason they have the right to do this. And like I said, you know, that that issue that she has with the two leases, one looks right, one doesn't look right. That's just something that they have to sort out in court, too. But either way, how do you move in your stuff and somebody's already living there? Period. End of story. I just I can't wrap my hand around that at all. So has Miss Torrey's situation been resolved? And if so, how? And I guess beyond immediate assistance, what does she hope happens after shedding a light on move-in evictions and putting a video like that out there? Because I just listening to that, the way I was raised, I don't think that would have ended in the most peaceful fashion if someone showed up talking to me like that. But she handled it with such grace. What can be done going forward with something like this? For her situation, she's treading very lightly and she's being very careful. When I was at the house talking to her, we were talking outside and the gentleman was there. He had his family there cleaning. She said, that's him. And they're in there cleaning. And I'm like, and you're still here. She says, yes, I am. So she was kind of standing off to the side. They don't really talk. And she's being very careful. She says, you know, she, for obvious reasons, she just wants to be safe and, and to be careful. She knows how to handle it. Uh, she's lawyered up. And I'm assuming that the uh, new owner is doing the same thing. And this just has to be patiently hashed out in court. Unfortunately, that's just what you have to do. You have to go through the system and, and handle it that way. I'm just curious, Raquel, did the new owner have anything to say to you about this? <laughs> like, what? how was he managing it all? He gave me a head shake. And that was <laughs> it. Was no. That was okay. the no head shake. I was uh, no. like, would you like to, would you like to respond? And I got one of these and he just kept, and I said, okay. And that was it. I'm hearing this and watching this and thinking about like, this is the home that she has been living in for years. Like, Someone barges into your home and just insists on kicking you out. It feels personal, you know? Man, oh, disrespectful. It's as, as personal as it gets. Oh, extremely disrespectful. And there's nothing I you can imagine. do. Your stuff is there. You live. Like, there's nothing you can do in the moment, which is the really, really hard part. You can go through all these legal systems. But in that moment, I think I would be uh, either freaking out in anger or on the floor crying. I don't know which. This is just such an odd situation systemically, I guess, is the city able to do anything about this? Vic Patel just repeatedly said that, you know, this happens in the city so much as far as strong arm tactics or tactics are concerned. And this is the only way to handle it. And one of the things that uh, Mr. Ray was saying is that we need a much stronger good cause legislation that has real teeth to protect the rights of tenants. Of course, there are things on the books, but you know, something like these law, these strong arm tactics that get you just wrapped up in these legal, legal wranglings that people you really don't have time for. You got to find a new place to live. <laughs> Unfortunately, right now, this is this is what we're dealing with. Perhaps there'll be some more attention paid to this in the future and as far as legislation is concerned. So basically, this whole thing is a mess. <laughs> Thank you so much, Raquel. We'll we'll cut you a break for a couple days after being here for back-to-back episodes because you got to deal with this week's Bridging Philly as well. Thank you so much for joining us. You can follow Raquel on Twitter. Her account is Raquel on Air, And of course, you can check her out on Bridging Philly and you can find all her work on kywnewsradio.com. That's all for today. I'm Jay Scott Smith. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Zirka. I'm Brian Seltzer. And we'll catch you tomorrow on the JohnCast.